Oink. Yeah! Look at all this chicken on this sandwich. A lot of chicken. All right, Big Ben time. Never has Clark Hunt proceeded the pig pen until now. Right, right. Well, it's a different time, Bob. It is. These are uncertain times. I believe we have all seen the new Jerry Seinfeld Netflix stand-up comedy special from New York. Am I I correct in this, Yeah, we've all seen it. Oh, yeah. All right. There was one small bit that he did, and... Made my ears perk up a little bit. Why don't we just jump right in, and then we can get to what I want to do with this uh, afterwards. The biggest food thing that happened to me, when they invented the Pop-Tart, the back of my head blew right off. (laughs) We couldn't comprehend the Pop-Tart. It was too advanced. We saw it in the supermarket. It was like an alien spaceship. We were just chimps in the dirt playing with sticks, just... (laughs) Grunting, pointing, Pop-Tart is here. You got to think back to when the Pop-Tart came out. It was the 60s. We had toast. (laughs) We had orange juice frozen decades in advance. You had to hack away at it with a knife. It was like a murder to get a couple of drops of liquidity in the morning. We had shredded wheat. It was like wrapping your lips around a wood chipper. You'd have breakfast. You had to take two days off for the scars to heal so you could speak. And in the midst of that dark and hopeless moment, the Kellogg's Pop-Tart suddenly appeared out of Battle Creek, Michigan, which, as you serial fans know, is the corporate headquarters of Kellogg's in a town I have always wanted to visit. Because it seems like a serial Silicon Valley of breakfast super scientists conceiving of a frosted, fruit-filled, heatable rectangles in the same shape as the box it comes in. And with the same nutrition as the box it comes in, too. That was the hard part. I don't know how long it took them to invent the Pop-Tart, but they must have come out of that lab like Moses with the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> the Pop-Tart is here. Two in the packet. Two slots in a toaster. Let's see you screw this up. Why two? One's not enough. Three's too many. And they can't go stale because they were never fresh. <laughs> so that made me think, I swear there's been a comedian that has done a Pop-Tart bit before. And I racked my brain, and oh, it reminded no. me, and it's not a t- totally different bit, okay. but I mean the Pop-Tart. It's a great topic for observational com- comedy. So this goes back several years to one of my favorite comics. I don't know if you guys know who this cat is, but his name's Brian Regan. And, I saw him live. Okay, same here. Very, very funny dude. Did we go to that show together? I think we did. Okay. And he's clean cl- comic. He's a clean comic, like him and Jerry for the most part, and uh, Gaffigan. Is it like Arlington or something weird? No, I, th- I feel like... I know we were there. Yeah. It was, gosh, this was like in 99 or yeah. 2000. Yeah. Anyway, here is Brian Regan's take on Pop-Tart comedy. <laughs> Number one, remove oh, wait, real quick. pastry. This is him going over the fact that he is bewildered by the fact that Pop-Tarts have instructions. Number one, remove pastry from pouch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I see where they're going with this. We are banging on all cylinders now. Okay, number two, insert pastry. Oh, okay. Vertically. Oh, oh, into toaster. Oh, I gotta get a toaster. 
It's like two of like 17 toaster steps. And then they have uh, microwave directions. You can microwave a Pop-Tart. That just blew me away that you could do that. How long does it take to toast a Pop-Tart? <laughs> a minute and a half if you want it dark? <laughs> People don't, don't have that kind of time? Listen, if you need to zap fry your Pop-Tarts before you head out the door, you might want to loosen up your schedule. <laughs> and I swear, it says microwave on high for three seconds. <laughs> That's all. It does. I don't think I want to wake up and be eaten in three seconds. You know, the alarm goes up. It's late, I gotta get out of here. If you're waking, eating, and hauling in three seconds, it's time for a change of lifestyle. He's oh, so man. good. That's awesome. What a great career he's had. So it got me to thinking, look, <laughs> as kids, it was a special treat if you got to eat Pop-Tarts for breakfast. Normally it was oatmeal if your mom felt like taking the time to prepare something for you or cream of wheat. Most often it was boxed cereal and milk, but every once in a while... Pop-Tart. Okay, were you allowed to have Pop-Tarts in the house? Rarely. Were they you? were a special treat. Uh, yeah, I, I think we must have done something really great. We were not. Really? We were not allowed to have Pop-Tarts. Why? Now, you got me, because I've told you guys before, our house was the house where, without fail, anytime you opened the fridge, Cokes. there were 75 Cokes yep. or Dr. Wow. Peppers in there at all times loaded down with cokes but they drew the line at toasted sugary pastries not only that it was no you will eat cereal for breakfast okay fine <laughs> yeah, so look, you total sugar shredded nutritional wheat. value in that well it's not even that we wouldn't even buy the healthy cereal it was super sugar smacks right. okay all right so yeah golden you, honey crisps you, you have the nutrition considerations but then you have the the Money considerations, right? That's well, true. It, because a, bag, a box of Pop-Tarts was dude, about the same as a, uh, a really good box of cereal. Yeah, and, and... You got six of those. I know initially they didn't have generic Pop-Tarts or generic cereals. Or they but, did ultimately. But once, but once they did, yeah. There, there was not a... the same. Did you guys... No, of course dude, I, not. Of course generic not. Generic Pop-Tarts were not bad. They weren't what the were same. What were they called? Some, but... They were thicker. They well, were called toaster pastries from Surefine or yeah, something. I, I think since... Uh, Surefine. I think mm-hmm. one of the uh, grocery store chains actually has like the Pop-Tart... But not the frosting. We're going to get so, to that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we are going to get to that because uh, after being reminded of that wonderful time where we were allowed to eat Pop-Tarts. Which is cake for breakfast. Yeah, essentially. I came up with my personal list of my top ten favorite Pop-Tart flavors. All right. You know how many there are right now in circulation? Uh, trust me. I've gone to PopTarts.com <laughs> to do a little research, and there are several. There's Th- 26. Yeah. But this is ridiculous because it's it's extreme Pop-Tarts. Yeah, it's, it's s'mores. It's like it's the Gatorade thing. wild-ass blueberry and fig. But no, <laughs> we go back to a simpler time. Excuse me. COVID, where you only had a limited amount of Pop-Tart flavors, yeah. all right? How many were there back in the day, though? Like four or five? I, I think I've got them all listed all right. here from the ones from the, the 70s and 80s, Okay, all right? We're going to start with a tie at 9 and 10 
and these would be the worst Pop-Tarts, anything unfrosted. Do not give me your dry-ass, cardboard, stale, boring-ass bread shrouding some, you know, mysterious fruit jam. Amen. You've got to have them frosted. I'm voting for this guy. And unfrosted was, that was big back in the day, wasn't it? Your parents would try to talk you into them because they thought it was healthier because it didn't have that extra layer of sugar. (laughs) But you know what? You might as well just give me a a, a stale Frisbee that I'm going to launch into the front yard for the squirrels to eat because that's about as good as it was. I'm writing down what I think is your favorite, by the way. Okay. He's right so far. So we skip from 10 and 9. All unfrosted Pop-Tarts are tied for the bottom two crappiest Pop-Tarts. Well done. Bottom. All right, number eight. And I will claim this is a crappy Pop-Tart. This is not good. When Mom bought this, you took one bite and realized you never wanted her to get this again, and you said so. Chocolate fudge. Ew. No, no. See, that's too cakey. It is too cakey. I don't want chocolate for breakfast. No. And the chocolate, it wasn't even like a fudgy thing. It was just like brown sand. <laughs> How is that still popular? Just because it is uh, chocolate? Yeah. yeah. I don't. Kids think chocolate's awesome and they think it's good in the morning. So, you know, they can still sell various uh, degrees of chocolate influenced Pop Tarts. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think I ever went down the chocolate. I don't pop think tart I ever road. had yeah. it either. That's why it's last on the, the the eight actual frosted pop tarts. All right. At number seven, see if you guys remember this one. I don't believe they make this anymore, and it seems like it was a short run. But man, I did not mind this at all. Dutch apple. This was a plain, never had that. This was a plain, clean white sugary frosting, and inside was an apple cinnamon goo. That when heated up became very, very delicious. It was almost like a nice apple turnover or an apple pie. Not exactly, I'm but still pretty damn good. The Dutch apple, it's got its place. I'll subscribe. Yeah, I would try any of that. I, I, any of the fruit flavors. Yes. Let's move on. At number six, we have brown sugar and cinnamon. Ooh. Yeah. Now this one... I can't believe you have low it that on your low, list, man. Yeah. It's number What's one. Wrong this yeah. one was an acquired taste for me because I love cinnamon rolls and anything with like the maple brown sugar oatmeal packets that you could eat like seven of them in a bowl. I love cinnamon. Those were really good, but the Pop-Tart, I didn't like it at first, but I grew into liking brown sugar and cinnamon. You're a flawed guy. That's weird. That, well, there's You're going to see... A brown con- sugar being an acquired taste is a weird taste. No, no, no. I'm saying the brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tart was an acquired taste. This makes you a flawed guy that it's this far down. You will see a thread here because these two previous ones are ones that didn't have sprinkles. Okay. Crystalled sugary sprinkles. So we move on to number five. Oh, man, this one was good, but it didn't make uh, number one, but blueberry. Blueberry tasted like really good blueberries and it had the sugary uh, 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 frosting and delicious sugary crystals on the outside that were just wonderful so you Love needed fucking blueberries you <laughs> just needed more layers of sweet yes yeah okay. and from a guy that doesn't even like sweets there is an exception in my heart for the pop tart <laughs> let's move on now this one said that weird. this one could have been higher had it had crystallized sugar granules on the outside and i'm going with concord grape (laughs) concord grape yes concord grape would have been my absolute favorite but it was just the smooth frosting 
No sugar crystals. I wonder if that's even around anymore. Concord grape. It's not. Okay. Nor is Dutch apple. You okay. cannot find Concord grape. Now, like on eBay, we get into the top that's three. Not gonna go well. <laughs> the top three would be number three. Oh my God! I could have one right now and be thrilled. Cherry. I was not a fan of the cherry as a a fruit. Yeah, a fruit mm-hmm. or like in pie. Mm-hmm. But the cherry pop tart was delicious. And here's the deal: the cherry pop tart. Its sugar crystals on the frosting were very, almost translucent. You could see through them. They were very um, light and and crunchy. And when you ate them, they would almost melt in your mouth, unlike the ones that are ahead of this, which were kind of a more hard um, uh, diamond-cut crystal that would mess up the roof of your mouth. Did you guys always toast them, or would you just eat them out of the... Um, the sheath. I think I would try them both ways, but yes, when we're doing it right, we're going to toast them. Yeah. Always toast. I mean, unless you're on the run and you need to take them with you somewhere, always toast. And hey, if you accidentally kind of overcook your pop tart in the toaster, burn nothing it wrong. a little bit. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. Wrong with no, that. I like now it, it will, it will affect you. You cannot eat it as quickly because it turns into mouth magma. Dude, your <laughs> your tongue will burn for four days. Right, right, right. All right, quickly. Number two. And this almost was number one. It was almost number one, but number one, I, I had forgotten about it until I started doing my research. And I don't remember number one being around long, but it was my favorite. But number two, <laughs> we will go with the multicolored crystals on the frosting with strawberry. That was That's my number one. Dude, strawberry yeah. is by and large everyone's number one on all of the lists that I've seen on the internet, which are thousands. But strawberry so is, this is so good. Valid? I don't know what's number one. How can I'm you out have of anything ideas. else yeah. at number one? Number one, and this is one of my favorite fruits, and when they decided to jam it into a toasty pocket of breakfast fun, beef. we're going... Beef? beef? <laughs> with... <laughs> nope, not beef. Or pork. Or poultry. Ooh. We're going, number one, my favorite Pop-Tart of all time, raspberry really yes because raspberries fruit filling edged out the strawberry fruit filling by a nose i liked it better it was a little darker you had the crystals the more like the cherry type crystals on the frosting which just sent it over the top raspberry my number one all-time favorite pop as a kid was too weird fruit like yeah. I, I like my meat and potatoes fruit of strawberry, yeah. grape, mm-hmm. you know, the basic right. ones. Raspberry seem way out there, like a almost like a Brussels sprout of, of fruit. Really? Yeah. I bet you didn't I bet if I did a taste test right now, if we could get both of them and I gave you raspberry versus strawberry, I think you would pick raspberry. Okay. It's just a little bit better. I'd like to try. All right. It is great though. The Pop Tart is great. And you know what? My my wife buys the healthy not not the Kellogg's or whoever right. makes these pop like some, some yeah. weird sprouts uh, whole yeah, foods brand like, yeah, organic like a mother's Pop-Tart. choice or something like that right yeah, gluten free yeah. pop tart right. yeah where you're losing weight while you're eating them uh-huh. yeah we have those at our house yeah, and it's probably J- the same nutritional value and, right and Jerry was right by the way pretty obsessed with Battle Creek Michigan even though never been there but right. it looks everything's great. from there yeah yep. yeah. Yeah. Chocolate fountains line the street. <laughs> I wonder. Sugar smacks everywhere. <laughs> the ticket. All right, let's uh, waltz into the weekend with a little Friday fun, if you will. So, yesterday, Danny reviewed the world famous popular film <laughs> Top Gun. Thanks, Borat. <laughs> I've never seen Top Gun. 
world famous uh, popular <laughs> movie film. He uh, had never seen Top Gun, yes, and uh, so he watched it and we had fun. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of fun. I reviewed his review and gave it two thumbs up. Yeah, I Thanks. think the review yeah. was was better Amazing. than the than the actual film. When did, when's the last time you think you saw that? Top Gun? Yeah. Years. Like 30 years maybe? I've not seen that in forever. I would say comfortably 25 years. Well, that brought back some good memories. So we were talking about Quentin Tarantino always insinuating that the movie was of the homoerotic nature. That it was just an excuse to make a movie about gay flyboys mm-hmm. <laughs> more than anything. I didn't know Harsh. this. Yeah. I didn't know this movie existed. I didn't know this. St- I just thought this was from interviews that he had done in the past. I had no idea that this literally stems from a movie that he helped write. Yeah. Bef- I've, I've seen this film somewhere along the way. What's it called? I don't remember. Foot. Sleep with me. Sleep with yes. me. Yes. Yeah. Foot. Foot? <laughs> that's the sequel. Yeah. In a foot. <laughs> well, that's foot too. So there's a, there's a scene in the party where Tarantino, and this is right around Pulp Fiction, I believe, maybe the same year that it was released. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in this movie where Tarantino, they're at a big party at somebody's house, and he's got this guy cornered, and they start talking about Top Gun. And this is Tarantino's take on Top Gun. You know what one of the greatest f-ing scripts ever written in the history of Hollywood is? What? Top Gun. Oh, come on. Top, Top Gun is f-ing great. What is Top Gun? You think it's a story about a bunch of fighter pilots? Yeah, it's about a bunch of guys waving their f-ing around. It is a story about a man's struggle with his own homosexuality. That's it. That is what Top Gun is about, man. You've got Maverick, all right? He's on the edge, man. He's right on the f-ing line, all right? And you've got Iceman and all his crew. Right. They're gay. And they, are, they represent the gay man, right. all right? And they're saying, go. Go the gay way. Go the gay way. He could go both ways. What about Kelly McGillis? Kelly McGillis, she's she's, she's heterosexuality. She's saying, no, 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 no. Go the normal way. Play by the rules. Go the normal way. They're saying, no, go the gay way. Be the gay way. Go for the gay way. Right? That is what's going on throughout that whole movie. So it goes on for three minutes. That was about it, though, actually. He talks so frantically. Uh uh. They come back. Oh. Yeah, there's okay. another, it's like two more minutes of him, them going off. Because they started, just got way off of it. Yeah, 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 so, they went to another scene, they came back. so caffeinated. Oh my God, so incredibly caffeinated. Makes me nervous. But he just. He may be on to something. I know, I know. But I mean, like I said, I thought he only talked about that like on talk shows and things like that. I had no idea it was actually part of a movie. Oh yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> all right, we don't have time. Let's, let's save the, uh. The other the trailer. Thing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I don't think we have time for okay. it. Okay. All right, so I think three nights ago, two nights ago, mm-hmm. I was at home watching a little television. The uh, The young boy had gone to bed, and I like to watch PBS. I like to feed my mind sure. and learn things. And You've always been that way. Yeah, documentaries, just more like thought pieces. So I happened on this program, which I'd never seen before, and I found it very fascinating because it pertains to the the line of work that we are in, something that is very relatable to us, something you guys do probably several times a week. So I pulled a clip from the show and I wanted to play it for you guys right now. It's a, 
I can't remember exactly what the name of the program was, but it has to do with interviewers, people that are professional interviewers, the okay. kings of the world, and kind of what you guys do when we have guests on. I thought you would appreciate that. Sure. So here it is. In the pantheon of radio and television media, the phenomenon known as the interview is an art form. Experienced professional news anchors have created legacies by mastering the interview process. Entire careers have been launched with the ability to ask tough questions and take their subjects to places they never imagined. It requires a natural desire and honed skill to tap into the raw emotion, unedited response, and ultimately the honest truth of the person on the other side of the microphone. You will hear in the following historic examples the level of bravery and expertise that is required to be considered a true savant of the craft. Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes with President Donald Trump. Can we go back for one second to the pandemic? Because um, you called Dr. Fauci and other health officials idiots. Where did I call them an idiot? You called them idiots. Howard Stern with Dave Grohl of Nirvana. Do you think if Kurt hadn't died, you'd still be in a Nirvana and never have written any of your songs that you wrote for Foo Fighters and never have gone out and done it? Like, in a That's, way, well, his death liberated you. David Frost with President Richard Nixon on the Watergate scandal. What did Haldeman tell you during the 18 and a half minute gap. There was no cover up of any criminal activity. That is obstruction of justice. Not just a moment. Period. That's your conclusion. And Dan McDowell and Jake Kemp of The Hang Zone with NBA superstar Luka Doncic. Do you just have streaming? Do you have cable? Do you have direct TV? How do you watch your TV? I have uh, viewers. Okay. Hard hitting questions. <laughs> Do you view the Clippers as rivals? Hello? Mind-blowing <laughs> courage to go there. Do you, uh, you get to see the dogs uh, pretty regularly during the season? <laughs> Unbelievable. Fearless interrogation. Are you excited about this year's playoffs? <laughs> Simply riveting, deep, probing inquiries. We understand you took some money from J.J. Reddick playing cornhole. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> You've been listening to Iconic Masters of Conducting the Greatest Interviews of All Time on PBS. Tune in next week for part two of our award-winning series. Are you going to buy a tiger? <laughs> What was it called again? What channel? Um, PBS. PBS. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, closer look at the uh, greatest, the greatest deepest interviews, interviews of all time. Of all yeah. time. Well, that was super intense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the answers that they got out of him. 
the skill it must take to be able to just pry. Yeah. The stuff that you would never tell anyone else, but man, it takes a master of the craft to be able to get there, huh? Wow. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Dang. Hello? <laughs> By the way, those pauses. They're real. They're real. Yeah. Those were not lengthened for dramatic effect. And they're spectacular. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I was cheering. I was cheering. <laughs> Interview of the year. All Woo! right. Good awesome job. stuff. Good job, Hang Zone. There is Friday fun for today. The ticket. Have an answer to the mystery of the fart tattoo. Man. Thank God. I'm waiting for that. Kind of sound like Cronkite there reporting that, too. <laughs> like I'm taking off my glasses and yeah. crying a little bit. 340 here Looking on the clock. Sports Radio 9. <laughs> we uh, have an answer. You're the mystery of uh, the fart tattoo. The fart tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hard line on May 21. Big Friday today. Always big, but Fridays are... You know, I am ready for the Friday remote, like the fun time Friday remote, which you haven't got to experience. I really have not. Um, because, boning in the weekend. Yeah, man. It's fun boning in the weekend at all these joints. And a bunch of people come out, and they're just sitting there watching and laughing and getting schnockered. And, I have to keep you in line, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, you have to tie me to my chair so I don't wander up to the bar at every break. I know that's always a huge priority for Mike. <laughs> So that Just was, keep me in line. He told, pulled me aside and told me that would really Look. be a, This is going to be important. Okay, I want you, Danny. I wanted to do something else here. Okay. But I would like for you to present your hypothetical that you laid out there during the break. <laughs> really? To the masses. Yes. Okay. Because it is pretty interesting, and I would like to go around the horn. For $100 million, mm-hmm. tax-free, it's just cash. You can do whatever you want to with it. Would you trade physical bodies for the rest of your life right now with John Daly. Now, wow. here's the rub. For those who don't know. <laughs> Do we have to establish what the rub is? The rub well, is like in the marquee. You have People his... may just think that he looks that way. Oh, he's like a middle-aged, you know, whatever, golfing guy. And yeah, I'd take the $100 million. The rub is John Daly could die at any moment. Oh yeah, like that unfortunately, with all due respect, Mr. Daly. If you heard the news, this one would not be one where you have to you know, steady yourself from disbelief. Right. And ask this, the it, question, it, gee, I wonder what happened. It's like when Diego Maradona died. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Oh, well, yeah, I mean, Kind of. Saw that coming for thirty years. He actually uh, almost hit a ceiling for lifespan. Yeah, the fact that John Daly is still around and playing now he's fifty-five. He's yeah. not seventy-five, but how he's many of only his a couple, three, four years older than you? How many of his later years did he burn already? It's not like I'm asking you to trade bodies with a ninety-year-old man, but you inherit his lungs, yes, his liver, his appearance, his belly, his kidneys. Whatever. But I can work out and work that you off and stop, stop drinking smoking and, and drinking right. the second and try you to turn that around. your briefcase full of $100 million and try and reverse the effects to the best of your ability, but you don't know how much of the damage is permanent. Okay. And you have to look like John Daly for <laughs> forever. 
<laughs> couple items. Well, you don't. You can really get in great shape. Yeah, but you're still going to have John Daly's head. True. Uh, John Daly, of course, a, a very storied battle with alcohol that sometimes he fights and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> he uh, throws the fight. Uh, in July of 94, uh, well, no, that, that one. Okay. So in early 2009, he had lap band surgery. And in 2009, he, uh, he dropped a hundred pounds, was a slim trim 185. In July of 2019, he had a near death experience after being bitten by a, a black widow snake, a brown recluse spider. Wow. He and Tommy. He had developed sepsis and required an emergency surgery, and in September of 2020 announced he had recently battled bladder cancer. Oh, God. Underwent surgery to remove the cancer. Doctors said there was an 85% chance of relapse. To reduce the chance of recurrence, Daly plans to improve his previous unhealthy lifestyle, which involved smoking, which we saw him smoking yesterday, uh-huh. and drinking large amounts of Diet Coke. Yeah, and whatever he can pour into the Diet Coke as uh-huh. well. Woodford a hundred million dollars of which he definitely doesn't have because he also has had like do- five documented do- bouts with uh, gambling. Yeah, and of course, literally uh, five divorces, divorces. Right? Uh, quite a few. Let's see. I think he's been married six times. Who can know? Uh, eighty-seven to ninety was one. Ninety-two to ninety-five is two. 95 to 99 is 3, 01 to 07 is 4, and I think that's where he stopped getting married. Oh, he hadn't gotten remarried yet for number 5. Okay. Who can say? Okay, my final answer to you and the $100 million hypothetical. This is $100 million. I never have to do another thing the rest of my life except take care of myself to the best of my ability and look like John Daly. You're on Bob's Peloton every morning. Right. (laughs) The answer is... Unequivocally, no. <laughs> Don't want to roll those dice, huh? I do not. You? I mean, how much of life is trying to live in a style that will extend your life so you can meet your grandkids and things like that? So it's a lot of money. I think I'm out, too, because I don't know that there's five years left in the game. I, I really don't. I don't either. I don't know if there's two. Ty? Boy, it's tough. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll say no, barely. I mean, you could, I mean, you could die with 80, $88 million left. Yeah. I know. Or go Brewster's Millions and just spend it all in 30 days. I'd rather burn bright than fade away, so I would live my best life for the short amount of time I could. As John Daly. Oh, yeah. Wow. Can you, you, can you hit the ball like John Daly? Yeah. What, what if starts okay. playing? have his go. body. Yeah, okay. Here's the deal. And Ooh. let's be honest. Other than having to look like John Daly, there's very little difference between he and I. So I'm going to turn down the hundred million just because I don't want to look like John Daly. So John Daly, real net worth? Do you know it? It can't be. Ten. I'm going to say a million. I'm going to say he's got thirty eight dollars in his Venmo account. I'll give him a net worth of five. Five million? Yeah. Dude, come on. Is that high? Two yeah. million. Thank you. And I'm I'm doubt I'm very dubious of that. I am as well. He sells stuff out of a Hooters truck at the Masters from a parking lot adjacent What's wrong to Augusta. With that? Nothing. 
I played a McDonald's parking lot in the rain once. <laughs> How was that different? You guys are the same person. <laughs> wow, that's that's quite a hypothetical. I've avoided bladder cancer. That's the only difference. And that's the other thing. I mean, you know, that could creep With up. With an 85% chance 85. of recurrence. That de- and he's out there crushing cigs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, well, what's, Dude, what's the difference, right? That beard he has now is epic. What a life that guy from no one had ever heard of him 30 years ago. And I think this is the 30-year anniversary, right? I think it right? is. I think it is. Of Crooked Stick, I believe. And why do I know that? Because it's John Daly. Is that a rehab clinic or is that a golf course? Exactly. John Daly was a alternate to get into the PGA the year that he won at Crooked Stick with a mullet. And he became, I mean, he was, before Tiger got there, like he was the most popular guy on tour. Daily. Didn't he sit in with Pearl Jam once or something? No. <laughs> Hey, don't do that to Pearl Jam. It well, was Hootie and the Bullfish. <laughs> At he, the Super Bowl media party, Dan wanted to go to what? This all the whole story doesn't make sense. <laughs> Looking at it f- from the lens of today, yeah, we're in Jacksonville. Right. Of course, John Daly is in Jacksonville. I think this was the Prince, the Prince one, oh four. Yeah, I think it was. There's no way to be sure. Well. John Daly was going to play a song with Hootie and the Blowfish. Bob wanted to stay because he thought that he was seeing like a, a super group form. Uh-huh. I thought Dan wanted to go to get a whaler before <laughs> dinner ran out. Life is about experiences, not fish sandwiches from BK. And by the way, there was so much food at that party, including a million shrimp laid out. Man, Dan was so hangry. I for, I forget what happened, but he couldn't find food, and it was there, like it was all there. And it went shrimp. Nobody, nobody. I think these were, and this was in his meat days. He wanted the the big BK broiler or whatever it was. <laughs> Triple onion rings. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't see him, did you? No. Yeah. Two-time major winner. You left him. Trying to sing with Hootie. They might have done Knocking on Heaven's Door and then right into the Dolphin song. Who knows? Can I tell you that I was there but did not went to another room to avoid watching it? (laughs) Because Andy North and Eve Six were over there. (laughs) All right. Let's get her going with uh, Mavs Talk because there's a game tomorrow. And let's kick it off with Luca. Is this Luca's big moment?